On this week's episode, we have an awesome interview lined up for you. We are being joined by two members of the Open Printing Project, and we're going to get into a ton of history. If you've ever wondered how did printing on open source in Linux come to be, all the exciting features and things that are coming, this is the episode you want to listen to. Welcome to episode 351 of Destination Linux, your favorite video podcast. My name is Ryan. I'm Michael. And I'm Jill. Now let's get this show on the road toward Destination Linux. OMG, I just got an amazing gift that I, will, that I will treasure forever from my Linux family for my Penguin collection for Destination Linux. Look, he's so cute. Another <laughs> little, Penguin? Another Penguin, but this Look, one is She special. doesn't have enough, Ryan. Yeah, clearly. Look in the background. There's not enough penguins. That one's super cute, though. And this I hear it pretty special. Yes, this one's so cute, and it's crocheted. And it is, is actually from my dear friends, Matthew Commandin, creator of Lutris, and Monica Ayans Madden, and a bunch of community council member who gifted me this amazing penguin that had an adventure at the Ubuntu Summit in Riga, Latvia, November 3rd through 5th. I couldn't attend. Oh, so sad. But so Michael and Monica used this little crocheted penguin in my place to visit many incredible people at the conference who I cherish. And I am so overjoyed and honored. And many pictures were taken with, with my penguin and my Linux heroes at the conference. So thank you so much to everyone who attended the Ubuntu Summit, who met my surprise penguin and saw me in spirit and kept the penguins marching. And one of those people is Till, leader of the Open Printing Project, who helps so much with the pictures and the surprise. <laughs> Thank you so much, Till. Yes, yes. You're welcome. And it was really nice when, when I was there in the hallway of the Ubuntu Summit in Riga and Monica came up to me showing me the penguin telling Aww. she has bought it in the old town and that it's for you from uh, uh, for and, and and then she told me that we should take some photos and ask ask me at first where the printer we sh we let uh, we let he, uh, le uh, so that I can teach to the little ping penguin how to use the printer and we, I, I, I let her to picture. the front desk where the printer was and after that we went to the whiteboard and and there I've he he held the penguin <laughs> against this paper where was written destination Linux on. It Aww. and and I have also put the the penguin with a uh, with a whiteboard marker against the holding a whiteboard marker against the whiteboard. I don't know. Did you get also that photo? The penguin yes. writing onto the whiteboard <laughs> because I think I you didn't see really it on Mastodon. <laughs> Love it. Yes. Yeah. So cute. We have the pictures. In fact, they'll be linked in the show notes. <laughs> ah, yes, have, that's great. Yeah. To have the yes. pictures we are, we are missing on Mastodon. <laughs> yeah. So yes. we. I also have to thank Wimpy and Popey and Glorious Egg Roll, Aaron Prisk, Cubicle Nate, our very own Cubicle Nate, Maro Gasparo, Till right here. He's right here. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, who, who you, again, thank you so much. You helped so much with the uh, pictures and the surprise. <laughs> yeah, and, right, right of, to come. 
Oh, you're so special. And of course, to my dear friend and host of Destination Linux, Michael Tanell, who I didn't get a picture with. <laughs> oh, good job, Michael. <laughs> really? I didn't get a Michael? picture with him and the penguin. Yes, Monica I did not make that. it to Michael. Monica, it seems that Monica did not find Michael. She must yeah. have known that know. Michael is there because Michael has given a talk. He has hosted uh, oh, yeah. He has hosted a, a panel session where Monica was on the panel. So she must have known that Michael is yeah, there. She could have absolutely. stepped up after the after the panel to Michael and and take the photo yeah. with the penguin. Michael's been known oh. to break cameras uh, with that face. So maybe she just uh, <laughs> that's only because they can't they can't yeah. handle my awesome, my handsomeness. That's and the, the problem. Yeah. And the panel and the talk they are already both open on the advent calendar, so you can Absolutely. watch the two. Yes. Yeah, and you awesome. know this this I'm just I'm so honored, and it's just it warms my heart. I, you know, I cried when I got this little penguin, and because I wanted to be with you guys so much, and. <laughs> The, this little penguin, you know, made it to its final destination to me at Destination Linux. We'll, we'll have a, <laughs> yes. a special place. Yes, I my, <laughs> special place in my heart displayed here in my penguin collection. <laughs> right in the penguin army there. Yes. Now, that's super special. I think, um, first of all, thank you to everybody who put that together and made it so much fun. I love the idea of teaching it to print and all the pictures and that's so creative, which can't expect anything less when you look at this group of people that you would have such a creative thing. But also, Jill, I think it shows how much you mean to so many people oh. out there <laughs> and how special you are to them that they took the time to do that in the middle of a yeah. conference where everybody's traveling and so much is going on that they're thinking about you and that's how special we feel about you. <laughs> and I love that other people uh, get to see the same thing there. So that was really awesome until we get to interview you in just a few moments for the rest mm -hmm. of the show and learn some amazing projects and things that you're a part of. Mm -hmm. But before we get there, I just want to thank you for uh, being part of this too. This is really special to us. Yeah, yeah, thank you, Till. Big And in big the hugs. Ubuntu Summit 2022, I'm in the in the organizing committee as on the other Ubuntu Summits. We can perhaps think about a live recording of a Destination Linux show. So that you all can travel to uh, the Ubuntu Summit, wherever <laughs> it will be. That would be oh, very, that'd be very cool. Fun. Yeah, we've been trying to figure out how we're going to take this show on the road yeah. for Destination Linux. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, need, yes. we need some road. You will take sure. the show on the road to the Ubuntu Summit 2024. Yeah. You know what's cool about taking the show on the road, though, Michael, at Ubuntu, is if you run into technical issues, you literally have people who could write <laughs> the software to fix it yes. right then and there. So, like, I feel like we'd have tech support aplenty at the Ubuntu I think Ubuntu that's a good summit. idea, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yes, yes. You get actual zero-level support. <laughs> the real developer of the program right there to help you fix it. That would be amazing. Well, again, thank you to the community. And this is our community feedback section this week. But if you have questions, especially after the interview, you want some follow-up, please send us your emails at tuxdigital.com slash contact. And we'd love to hear from you. And we'll make sure to get those questions that you have for our guests sent over to them as well as a follow-up. So thank you, everyone. This episode is brought to you by Namecheap. Now, Namecheap is where we go 
to get all of our domains. And if you know anything about Michael, who's responsible for our domains, it's there's a lot of them. There's like a lot. And Namecheap is a fantastic place to go and get the domains you need to start your new business and start it cheaply. You can get URLs, you can do self-hosting, you can have WordPress set up for you, or you can just get the domain itself and set all that stuff up uh, elsewhere. They have all kinds of options, whether you're a blogger, small business owner, you have big dreams on the internet. Well, Namecheap is the place to check out. So head to destinationlinux.net slash Namecheap to get started and check out all the options that you have for starting your next big business or even small business or blog or whatever it is. It's all there. Whether you have a big idea or the next big business, the price is not big at Namecheap. So today we are joined by Till Computer the leader of open printing and Michael Sweet, creator of Cups and co-author, designer of IPP. Both of them are co-founders of open printing. Both of you, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Yay! Before we get into open printing, let's talk about your adventures in Linux and open source, because we know you've got a lot of awesome adventures. So what was your first experience with open source software? Michael, let's start with you. Well, uh, this goes back quite a few years now. Uh, it was 1986 or 1987. So this was uh, really kind of before Linux. Uh, this was for the color computer. If, if you're familiar with that, it was an 8-bit microcomputer for, from Radio Shack. And uh, I did nice. this, this uh, menuing library. So you could do write applications and stuff and have pulled on menus and buttons and all that sort of stuff, all in text, of course. And uh, I distributed open source on the Delphi Bolton board system. Oh, I'm wow. really dating myself here. Yes. And uh, <laughs> it was a mix of C and assembly language. And uh, that was kind of my first foray into it. And I didn't have a license on it or anything. I might have had copyright on it, but like uh, very early on. And uh, I haven't stopped since. So I guess I have it in my blood. I guess back then, what made you want to just open source that instead of, hey, let's make this thing proprietary. Let me sell it for three bucks. Well, uh, first, who was I going to sell it to? And, and second, <laughs> I wanted it to get out there. I mean, gotcha. this was one of those things where like, okay, uh, there's there's uh, a couple dozen other developers out there maybe that would be doing anything commercial. And um uh, I had no real way to to influence. I mean, at that point, I would have been 16 or 17 years old. So I wasn't really thinking about, you know, monetizing what I was doing or anything. I just wanted to get it out there and have, you know, people use it and, you know, right. be excited. Hey, you use it in this program. That's great. Um, right. <laughs> so did you know about the free software movement when you released it? Or was no, just actually, I was completely oblivious to that. Like, not, never made any rounds to to my circles um obviously later i i did learn about it but uh you know it was one of those things that just just kind of snowballed from there it's awesome uh till what about you yes yes first mike this was interesting and i want to ask you something when were you born (laughs) (laughs) which yeah when i'm 1970 I'm 69. Uh, 69, a year older than me. You are really old. <laughs> so, yes, let's let's start let's start with me. I I was rather old when I got into free software. I was it because 
in the late 90s, I did a PhD in theoretical physics. And there, we had a, a Unix network, SGI Indies and digital digital uh, uh, digital unix workstations and f f but the problem was that most people had only a dump terminal in their room or nothing and had to go into a terminal room to use a computer and we wanted mm -hmm. that everyone had a, at an actual workplace and so we we bought PCs for all the rooms for all the people of the of the theoretical physics departments, and we installed Linux on them. It was SUSE 5.1 back in 1997 when I started to be system administrator. And so this was my first contact with Linux and free software. I knew that it's... A, a, very basic principle i learned very basic uh, principles of free software by that that you could that, that you could redistribute it and that you did, did not need to that you could download it uh, uh and, and and compile it that you had the source code and so on but i actually learned about how it all worked and how it got invented and so in 2000 on the Linux talk when Richard Stallman was giving a talk. And there I learned about that Richard Stallman had, had a printing problem. And this made him inventing the principles of free software back in 1984. And so... During my time as a system administrator, we had also printers, and we were we were still in the dark age of LPE, <laughs> and <laughs> and we and LPD did not have any any concept of options like that. You could choose paper size, paper tray, quality, duplex, and so on. It had only some exactly six very uh, strange options which are only relevant for line printers. But you know, LPD is a line printer daemon. It was created for line printers. Line printers are printers which have like a typewriter uh, fixed letters. So they are not dot matrix printers. And the line printers were some special species in contrary to the daisy wheel printers, which were really like a typewriter that they printed one line at a time. They had, uh, 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 they had for each column one wheel or belt, drum or belt with the letters. And the 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 letter the the desired letter was was rotated to the bottom, and then for each column, and then the whole this whole printhead was hammered through a page wide uh, ribbon, ink ribbon onto the paper, and this was the way of fast printing there wow. before in, in there. In, in the in the data centers of the 90s and earlier and 
So there are four line printer daemon. I'm only explaining this because many of our spectators are much younger than we than No, I, I don't know. We, we all are. grew up with that. No, I, no, I don't know most of them. <laughs> I, I I do because I'm your age. Ah, yeah. yes, you're also 1970. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> hey Jill, do you have one of those printers in your museum? I no, have no, a I'm, matrix. Uh, but... <laughs> yeah, no, Jill, Jill and thanks. Bill are so yeah. so similar so these close. days. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> yes, I don't have a museum, but it seems that Jill has. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Jill she does. does. She has thousands of computers, and so every time someone brings up something obscure, generally Jill's like, "I have one of those. I use it on the weekends, even yeah. <laughs> if it's so old." It's like, how? Why would you ever use that thing? My Jill? favorite time is when we were we were talking about Jill's museum, and I made a joke that she may like. She probably has a PDP eleven. And then she, Jill, what's the answer to that? I do have a terminal. <laughs> I don't have the full system, but I do have a terminal. <laughs> and I have a, a deck alpha that I used to use to render animation with. I, I, I worked in, Just, in in Hollywood for quite uh, a few years. These, these uh, deck workstations, <laughs> these were the ones we, yes. where I was system administrator <laughs> of in, in, so cool. in, in the theoretical physics and... Nice. That's yes. So awesome. <laughs> yes, yes. And so I am so we had this these printers and my predecessors of as system administrators, they have not done some nice scripting to use these six options and to abuse them so that each of the six options is one combination of of the uh, of tray one and tray two. This is two two states, and of no duplex, duplex long edge, and duplex short edge. This is three states, three by two is six, so six options. It exactly fits for our two black and white laser printers test, with right? two trays. And is there going to be a quiz duplex. after this? <laughs> and on the client side, they also wrote a script that our our our, our people in the, in the department could easily say, uh, print uh, minus tray one one minus duplex mm -hmm. long edge or something like gotcha. that. And this was the way how we printed. And, uh, in and, and during the time, we got also a color laser printer and came with some nice graphical user interfaces, but only for commercial Unixes. So it worked only on the SGIs and on the decks, but not on the Linux machines. And so oh. one had to all, always to SSH into an SS, SGI or deck to print, oh, to print okay. in color. <laughs> and so, so we were, were a little bit frustrated about that the professor has, has spent 14,000 German marks. I don't know how much it is. It was when the euro started, it was 7,000 euros, but I don't know with, uh, with, uh, uh, inflation how much it would be today. And for this printer, and in 2000, I've read an article in a German Linux magazine. And this was because Mike has published CUPS 1.0 somewhere 1999, 2000. Therefore, CUPS uh, was 1.0.x in the beginning of 2000 when the article was there. And 
It told about PostScript printers and about PPD files and the options that you could set trays, paper sizes, qualities, everything. And it claimed to fully support PostScript printers that way. And it also claimed that it was also rather well supporting uh, PCL printers and some other uh, non postscript printers. And so I thought this would be nice. I tried it out and deployed it in our network. And I was discovering by that that the color laser printer was also a postscript printer with a PPD file. I set it up with cups and it worked perfectly on all the machines. I also only needed to, to set up the print queues on one single machine for each printer. And thanks to cups broadcasting, all the other machines saw these, these, these printers. And so it was very easy for me as a system administrator to set it up. And so wow. just real quick to, to go back. So you're reading a magazine, a Linux magazine. Yes. And. You see in that magazine, there's this thing called Cups. And this yes. Michael guy, who happens <laughs> to be on the show right now, yes. has released this driver out there into the open. Yes, yes. Right? He has released this at, at OP as free software. And so it was available for downloading the source code and installing it under Linux and Unix. Which so I this did. is your first experience then with open source the, software. But the first what? experience with contributing was even another one because a little bit earlier, I think late 1999 or very early 2000, I have not, I, I have deep, I have uh, used XCD Roast and modified it so that it does not work only for a setup with a single user at home, but it works in a multi-user network. And so I've modified an open source program and contributed this back upstream and it got accepted. This was my very, very first uh, uh, contribution mm -hmm. wow. to, to uh, free software. Oh, and awesome. so with this, I already learned the step of contributing before I read in an article about some piece of free software of gotcha. a genius engineer uh, to make printing easier. The article That's was amazing. not written by Mike. It was written by someone else. Yeah, I think it was Kurt Pfeiffer, wasn't it? Yeah, Kurt Pfeiffer. Yes, mm. yes. And I will tell about this also now. We had, I had the cups deployed, but there was one difficulty for many of our users, physicists, physics professors. And so they had to specify the options by the command line. And this is a little bit awkward. And so I thought, why not writing a simple graphical tool? I used FLTK for it as the toolkit to have a print dialog to have something graphical where you can select the printer on which you want to print and select the options for it. And then something like 10, because this didn't exist as free software. Mike has done something commercial, but we did not want to buy it. And I also wanted to have it as free software. And so I wrote XPP, the X printing panel, in something like 10 days, I wrote the first version, which worked, and put it up on Freshmeet, which was in that time oh, the yeah. service for finding yeah. free software. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. I've never heard of this before. Freshmeet oh, Fresh is what oh. it was called. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, like the non-vegetable option 
for ja. eating something <laughs> and like getting it in uh. as in as as quick as possible, as good as possible. Fresh. I just yeah, imagine a little this being either that a butcher have. shop or a vampire masquerade uh, <laughs> you know, LARPing session or something. Oh, you know? This is awesome. Fresh I meat. know someone who worked at Fresh Meat, and my, uh -huh. my brother had some involvement with it as well. But that's where I used to download all my window maker uh, beans. Ah, yes. So you meat. found window maker by, by means of Fresh Meat. Yes. And yes. Kurt Pfeiffer, <laughs> the guy who wrote the Linux magazine article. <laughs> he was also reading fresh meat and yeah. has found my XPP and tried it out. And he was <laughs> working at a company who gave support for uh, printers, for Rico printers, for these big professional printers, this one which are on rolls. I didn't know about fresh meat either. And now I feel disappointed that we have GitHub. I mean, come on. <laughs> I know. We can have fresh meat. I mean, that's way better. That's way better. Yes, yes. So I don't want us to get ahead of ourselves because I do want to get into, and I think we're getting close to that part of your story now, kind of how you guys got involved in open printing and what open printing's about. Let's start with open printing. And for those in the audience who are newer, like myself, and, and weren't around for some of these changes, and they're unfamiliar with open printing. Can you tell us what is the open printing organization and what services do they provide through to the community? Michael, do you want to start with that one? Sure. Um, so open printing started uh, about 2000. We had our first 2001 summit. It was 2001 in San Jose. Well, I thought it was 2000. Well, anyway, um, Close enough. Early 2000s. I thought it was 2000 because 2001 we had had uh, there uh, were two nine eleven and one in stuff, 2000 and one in 2001 and the 2001 right. we founded open printing. Right. So so we have we have this this interest uh, from a bunch of the Linux distributors that now that Till has said oh we'll do this this uh, cup stuff on on Linux Mandrake and. And everybody else sees, oh, this stuff actually works. Uh, maybe we should try using this. And you know, we start having these these conferences to talk about it. And what do we need to do to make it have a nice print dialogue for everybody and and make make it work from all the applications? And so from all of this, we get we get open printing. Um, it's basically trying to uh, gather all of the cats together and use that <laughs> you know herding cats uh, metaphor. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of variation in Linux distributions and that's generally a good thing and sometimes a bad thing, you know, when you're trying to standardize things. Um, but you know, just like coming together, okay, what are all the things that we agree on for printing and put it here, we'll call it open printing. And this is the baseline for everybody. And if you want to add something else, great, but do this and then, you know, printing will work. And so cups became part of that. Um, we had um, uh, Fumatic for a while in there, uh, though I think it's it's uh, slowly transitioning over to the printer applications. Um, uh, Gutenprint is is a big part of that. Uh, there's the uh, common print dialog, um, a whole bunch of projects. There's scanning uh, support for multifunction devices. So everything involved with printers, whether it's printing stuff or scanning stuff is kind of under the umbrella of open printing. So, so we have a standard that we can follow standard interfaces that we can use. And then as a developer, 
typically you're just using whatever you know GNOME or 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 KDE provides for for printing and scanning support, and it just works. And at least most of the time, it just works. So uh, that's that's kind of the goal is to to make sure that that printing works as well as like plugging in a keyboard or a hard drive or, or whatever. So when you're when you're starting this open printing. Um, you know, you, you're meeting together. You're starting this open printing. What is the what does the market look like right now? Do most people have printers in their home and they can only get them to work uh, if they are, uh, you know, utilizing some proprietary operating system? Or what? Or what is the kind what's of kind of the case of made you guys want to come together to fix something here? Well, I I think the the uh, the bulk of the printers that were out there, um, if if you were lucky, you had a PostScript printer. Um, somewhat less lucky, you had a PCL printer, and anything else, uh, you were really hurting. Uh, there's, uh, uh, I mentioned Guten Print before, it was GIMP Print uh, before that, and it started out as a plugin for GIMP um, that I wrote yeah. um, to support oh. Epson printers, <laughs> and because there was no real way to get good photo quality, and then Robert Krowitz looked at what I'd done and said, "This is great. Can I take over? Because I think I can do a better job." And he did, um, but like he. Yeah, he he didn't think that my my color adjustments and stuff are sufficient, and he has a very particular eye for for getting things right. And so so he took that over and and really made that into something spectacular. Um, but you know, at that time, uh, unless you had a PostScript printer or a PCL printer, laser printer, uh, you know, you were in pretty pretty bad shape because. Right. You know, you had to know the printer language or you had to have a Windows system because it was a what they would call a GDI printer and it had no no free software driver um, or it used some really esoteric vector language. A lot of the the uh, uh, copiers that you get from uh, from Japanese manufacturers would use uh, capped and a bunch of other proprietary languages there to do um you know, nice, nice vector drawing and stuff like that. And, and so we needed to do something. Uh, it was, it was hard to support, uh, printers back then. Um, you know, it was kind of the dark days and, and, uh, uh, I think that's the only reason that cups was able to succeed was it, it made it easy to support these things once you had the right software in place. And, and, you know, people like Till would go and say, let's use this and let's try it out. Oh, look how easy it is and how it works. And, you know. That's wild. Yes. And there are with the printer drivers. We are talking about the printer drivers. Naturally, there were people who wanted to run these, non, uh, these proprietary language printers with free software already before I was on the place. And... The, there were students who had a, a super cheapo Lexmark inkjet. They wrote a driver for that, which was some filter, which you you had to chain with GoScript, and they made some little wrapper script for LPD. And then there were others uh, who who reverse engineered another protocol by running the Windows driver, printing into a file and analyzing the file which comes out. And others, they wrote a driver which one compiled into to go script and it got a little bit chaotic and it was impossible for a non-technical user to put this together to make their printer work. And one thing was nice 
in and one th and uh, one thing was nice. There was one guy, Gwen Taylor, who wrote a database in the late nineties on a web application, linuxprinting.org, and the code behind it he called Fumatic, and he listed printers and how well they work with Linux. And he listed drivers and which printer works with which driver. And for some of the drivers, at least, also the options and everything in the machine-readable form. And he made appropriate scripting so that one could generate PPD files for CUPS and also wrapper script for LPD and for some other printing environments. So you are having oh, to reverse amazing. engineer these drivers that are basically, there's no standard. They're coming from everywhere. Yes, You're the, trying the, to the reverse users, engineer. Yes, the cont these people have reverse engineered drivers. I never did it. I never reverse engineered printer drivers. Yeah. yeah. I had to do a few of them. Oh, That's yeah. just wild. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a crazy amount. It's of, like, uh, just even think about how much work would have to go into doing that because of the just even getting all the different esoteric printers to work with a toolkit or a framework, and then you have all the distros that you're having to convince to adopt it. I mean, it when you started talking about herding cats, I thought that I, I think it would be much harder than that to get all of this stuff to happen because of the the amount of distributions, uh, not necessarily fragmentation, but the the, the fact that. Uh, they want to do certain things in a much different way usually to actually come together and to take something. I guess it's because it's the only one that worked at the time, but also it's something that a lot of people depend on, on printing, especially back then. And now printing is like so easy to well, do in Linux. Well, I mean, yes, but it's still not printing. Okay. Still, printing. Okay. Printing, printing in Linux printing. is, uh, is, mu is much easier the printers themselves are still designed to make you hate them. Yeah, <laughs> <Yes>. exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. This is true. And Michael Sweet, I just wanted to make a, a few comments to you because you are actually one of my heroes in Linux. This is very <laughs> special. And when I when you just talked about the plugin in GIMP to get Epson printers working, you rung my bell there because I was an art teacher and computer animation teacher. And I had a lot of my students print from GIMP uh, on an Epson with that, that extension. It's <laughs> <laughs> very exciting. Wow. Very That's cool. Awesome. And I, I, I also remember the day I first, you know, set up cups over the network in my classroom to print to a classic HP LaserJet. And it was such a joyful, joyful feeling when it was quickly and easily detected and me and my students can print out documents. <laughs> I was so happy. And we had Unix systems, Mac, and, and back then, Windows, like 98. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yes. And that was really awesome cool. to see and it connect. Was, yeah. then was <laughs> what then was missing were two parts integrating cups and drivers into the distribution so that it gets you yeah. easy for normal users for non-technical yeah, users easy. and second yeah. <laughs> marketing the free software project cups and these two things yeah. are the things which i have done all the time and which i am doing Michael Tunnell told it's very important to market free software projects. <laughs> he told it in Riga on the, on the summit, and I've watched true. the video two days ago or so. 
Awesome. Nein, and everyone awesome. out there, make sure to watch I was not in the womb because video. there were five rooms in parallel. <laughs> I could not be everywhere. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. Trying to choose which one you go to at any conference is going to be an issue. Uh, but yeah, yeah the, uh, marketing is definitely important for sure. And I think that Cups has done a very good job at that, considering it's the go-to de facto standard everyone even knows about, right? And uh, the, the what I want to talk about earlier is that the ease of use it has become has been so dominant that I've got people who are friends of mine who would, I'd give them, you know, let them try out Linux. And then they're, they're like, okay, so this is going to be annoying because it's annoying on Windows to get a printer. And then they just click print and it finds it and prints it. And their minds are blown like completely. <laughs> like that kind of experience, no one expects to ever have with a printer. And the fact that you can do it on Linux is just, it's crazy. And that's all, like, for example, uh, I did a, re a reaction video to Linus Tech Tips and one of the key things in that video that I noticed was that their reaction to printing on Linux was so excited because it was so easy to do. Yeah. You guys because made it, it plug and play. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, honestly, no, I ran a small computer you know, store. Treat it, treat it, treat it. Plug and yeah. play is you plug in the printer. It's invented by Microsoft, and it means you plug in the printer, <laughs> you play for hours with the drivers, and if you win this game, you can point. And what you win I this game created is plug and point. You plug in the printer, and you can point. I'm absolutely. That's you got fun. it yes. automatically installed on Linux. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. I was actually going to mention, you know, growing up during this time, my dad had a computer shop and we made a lot of our revenue, service revenue from getting drivers to work for yeah. people to print. Like it was a major <laughs> revenue stream because people would get so frustrated and rightfully so. And we supported Windows mostly at this point in, in getting a driver. So they would have their printer working one day, they reboot their computer, all of a sudden it can never find it, nothing's working. Uh, no matter what they do, you can't get it to work again. And and these things were just, it was just common. It was common that you were going, I mean, there's a reason why one of the most famous office movies, Office Space, has the scene of him smashing a printer. Everyone has dreamed yes. of smashing a printer <laughs> so, with a baseball so bat. So yeah. it. I've yeah. broken your, your business. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you broke yes. my and business. And you know, you the know we're the current new ads of HP. Did you have you seen this article on Ars Technica, which I've linked on on Mastodon, where uh -huh. HP is is uh, advertising their printers as the le as the less hated device, print and showing people <laughs> running uh, into an installation that's, problem, that's and true. the person takes the printer, throws it out of the window when he her. Awesome. Here's a person down there shouting because they got it on the head, and <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, it's it's. I think it's pretty accurate. It's the less hated of the printers. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And I say my slogan of open printing is make printing just work. Or do I say no? Make printers less hated. Yes. <laughs> there that's you go. True. Oh, oh, Till, I have a question for you. Can you tell us about your work on Linux Mandrake? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. At and first, why it was so important first, for Linux. I want to tell you how I got there because you have interrupted okay. me in the first round. Oh, the, I'm the, sorry. The author, the author of the article in the Linux magazine was at a printer support company and they had a booth on the Linux talk 
in that time the biggest uh, uh, free software show in Europe. It yeah, was Linux in Day. Germany. Yeah, Linux yeah. Tag. It's German. It's German. Yeah. It's in English, oh. it's Linux Day, but it's called Linux Tag. Many other conferences were called Linux Day or Linux Days and so. And so this was, the, and, and the Linux Tag was the big one. And there he invited me to the booth of his company to show off the XPP, this print dialogue. And most of the distros at first, they were not very much fond of going to cups, taking this dialogue and so. But Man, the Mandrake, uh, Mandrake had also a booth there, not only Red Hat and Suse. And they were showing me already the booth about their work, about how Mandrake, how development of Mandrake Linux works. And in the social event at the night, I had them all around me and they told about their office uh -huh. and their work day and so on. And it was in the beginning of July 2000. And in, in the 1st of August, I lived in Paris. And you don't, and you, and you know why. Uh, uh, a few days after the show, I got the invitation to work at Mendoix Soft. I accepted it. And so from the 1st of August on, until 2006, I lived in Paris. I was working in the office of Mendoix Soft. But please, don't try to speak French to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know nothing. <laughs> no problem here. Yes. Yeah, yes. you won't have yes. Perhaps Mike knows French because he's Canadian, but <laughs> let's, let's continue the show in English because our hosts <laughs> do not speak French. And so I was at, and, and my first task was to switch Linux Mandrake from LPD to CUPS, so that CUPS gets its standard printing system and that the printers which worked before with LPD worked with CUPS. And so I, for this task, I did not have only to make RPM packages of CUPS. This was the easiest of everything. I had also to <laughs> RPMize all the little tiny drivers I had to put distribution patches into GoScript for all the tiny drivers which had to be compiled into GoScript. But the nicest thing was linuxprinting.org from Gwen Taylor because it was the scripting to make the PPD files for all these tiny drivers. But the problem was the database was not fully po populated. And then I asked Gwen, could you fill in all the drivers and all the options and so on? And then Gwen told, he has no time for that. He cannot make <laughs> it, make it before Mendoek's deadline for the distro. And, and so he gave me the full right access to the site. And so I populated the database. Nice. And with this, wow. I was able to make every printer which worked before with LPD in, in Mandrake Linux 7, in Linux Mandrake 7.1, worked with CUPS in Linux Mandrake 7.2, which was released in October 2000. And you are very lucky, Jill. You had 7.0 yeah. and your yeah. printer worked with it. So yeah, it worked with LPD, actually, because yeah, 7.0 came out in January 2000. Okay. 
<laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I also have 6 6.0 was the first one I installed. And then ah, 7.0 yes. and I, I was, also have I have installed yeah. the first time somewhere in 1999 where when I bought my first laptop I installed Mendoek. I don't know which version I might was was could, could be something like that. And Aww. and in in April 2000 I had a collaboration in in the in the PhD with Brazil, and every year I was two two months in in Brazil, in Belo Horizonte, the, the third uh, largest city of Brazil, and I worked with that uni uh, with that university. And in April two thousand, I had the la- last of these trips for two months there, and there I met my wife, oh. and she bought a PC. And wanted to use it it for her uh, PhD, but she had problem and wanted to use it with Linux, and she had some problems with it. The graphics card was not working, and then I have mm-hmm. installed Mandrake Linux on her PC, and the graphics card worked perfectly by a frame buffer device, and her PC worked, and she fought. She fell really in love with me. <laughs> in 2000, oh, we yeah. actually married in the magic year. It's, it's the magic the, year the of the best <laughs> Yeah, Till's giving us a life hack. If you want to make sure your girl stays with you, make sure that the drivers are working. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. And, and it, uh, guys, I have the full box with all the manuals. Great. Yeah, of course. Yes, you have a real museum. I don't have any of the things. Yeah, we have a museum, Jill. Yes. (laughs) This episode of Destination Linux is sponsored by Linbit. Linbit has been keeping digital businesses running for over 20 years. They're the makers of open source products like DRBD, which is high availability software that has been part of the Linux kernel since 2010, and Linstore, industry leading open source software defined storage. Linbit has an active presence in the open source community and they collaborate with the community to help identify and build new features. Linbit provides enterprise-grade software that runs on a variety of platforms and OSs without vendor lock-in. What that means is, is that you could choose the software on any platform, including specific hardware that you want to use or just off-the-shelf hardware that you get and connect it. You get, all of this stuff can be interchanged really easily. And with DRBD and LinStore, you can have high-speed replicated block storage in almost any configuration. Whether it's Kubernetes, Apache Cloud, or Open Nebula, there's even DRBD proxy for long-distance replication. Linbit is run by its founders to this day, and all of its engineers and developers are in-house with offices in Europe and North America, which allows them to have global 24-7 support to complement their enterprise offerings. Visit linbit.com to learn more about the people behind Linbit and the awesome software for block storage, duplication, and more. So let's go back to the drivers a little bit because I'm very curious. What are some of the like the biggest challenges of getting drivers like that to work on Linux? If you don't have a driver, I mentioned already the reverse engineering. But if you have a driver, some student has, scrib- has scribbled together with some lines of C a driver which makes one printer model working. This is a script which has its own command line where nothing is standard. And it has different ways to run it. You can run the script. You go script produces some generic bitmap format, and this bitmap format is fed into the script, and this is turned to the printer's language and sent to the printer. And you need at least a wrapper script to run it from a printing system like LPD or CUPS. 
And for CUPS, you also need a file which describes the printer's or the driver's capabilities and describes how to call the driver and, and to control it. And with the PPDs made for, just with the PPDs made for postcard printers, you could not define command line in that. And there the scripting of Fumetic came into place, which is some interface between Uh, the CUPS filters. CUPS filters have a standard command line. It's on the outside a CUPS filter. And on the inside, it can run any, any arbitrary command line. The FUMATIC system, the FUMATIC database, can describe any arbitrary command line with pipes, with, with different type of options, like even strings and numbers, which PPDs did not support and so on. And so by creating XML files, Fumetic XML files to describe the printer, the capabilities of the printer, the driver, the capabilities of the driver, and the, and the options like paper trace, paper sizes, resolutions, and so, and their choices all in XML files, These XML files are converted by a, P by a PPD compiler into PPD files. And you use these PPD files together with a Fumetic WIP, Fumetic Raster Image Processor, which is the, the universal script which, you, which takes the, the command line snippets from the PPD file and builds the command line and runs the command line. And you naturally have to have GoScript and the driver installed. And if the driver is even a driver which has to be compiled in GoScript, you need to have a GoScript version installed where the driver is compiled in. And this usually the distros do for you, making this GoScript. And so, so for a second, it's like you're, you're translating all of these different layers. And now I understand why printers barely work correctly in a lot of scenarios based on how you're describing and this. this. Is I don't a lot understand all the technology, but it's very complex translations going on. But is there a standard? Like, does HP, um, you know, Lexmark, all of these, did they ever come up and say, hey, here's the standard of how we're going to translate it all? Or No, Why was there, there, are never no standard? there are very little standards. There are something like yeah. PostScript is one of the standards. PCL right. is also some some kind is also a standard which which several manufacturers has overtaken. Well, well, Ryan was asking that question. I like it because Michael was just swept smiling at like no, there's no standard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It seems like that's part of the no, problem. Yeah. As you were yes. describing the process. I started to hear like, hey, I've got to take this particular printer's driver and it's got to translate into this layer and then we're translating it here. And I started thinking, well, you know, that's what standards are for. If everyone followed a similar standard. Yes, yes. Yeah. In, as we don't have standards, we have to describe every little driver and how it works in a database. Exactly. Yeah. And with yeah. this database, we have to generate PPD files for CUPS. Oh my gosh, well, that's why we should have called it Rubomatic because it's like a Rube Goldberg machine. <laughs> yes. it, it's what machine? I, yeah. A Rube Goldberg. It's like you know, you know the game Mousetrap, where it's like this really complicated way to 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 catch a mouse. 
yeah. or you know you see some of the videos where you know you have a ball falling and, and you know, <laughs> yes, 15 minutes yeah. later it causes it's, something, it's something like this and this is very, yeah. very complicated <laughs> for users or system administrators and then there must be some kind of of automation and then first Gwen Taylor and afterwards me we did it and with this I I succeeded the integration in the first distro and then i could tell on conferences hi here i've integrated cups in a distro this distro has cups and printing works just just out of the box it simply works and then the other distro say we want to have it too and uh, mm -hmm. then they start to 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 overtake the snippets from from Mandrake Linux, put it into their Linux, and then all Linuxes print. And I've done a lot of That's community cool. work to market cups and this and this printing stack. I have I've given talks on conferences. I have done every year I've I've organized from 2001 to 2006 an open printing booth on the Linux Tag, a community booth. And I've given full-day uh, workshops of CUPS. In the beginning, together with Kurt, later on, even one alone. So you had a full day on a conference for system administrators to learn CUPS. Man. Wow. I, you know, what's interesting about hearing And it was interactive. Is... It was not giving that I was giving an eight-hour talk. <laughs> It, it, what's interesting is I, through the years, have had such a love-hate, not knowing all this history, love-hate relationship, like so many people with printers, wondering, like, why is this so difficult? Why, 20 years later, is my computer not able to just connect to the printer and print? Why is this a problem? And now I'm starting to get it. It's starting to make a lot more sense. <laughs> things have gotten better. They've gotten way better. But one of the things that's interesting uh, is the fact that AirPrint... Now, in my household, there are times, even though it's gotten better, where there's some obscure document, maybe it's like a eBay shipping label or something that is in some obscure format, will not send to my printer from my computers, whether they Linux, Windows, Mac, or not, let me leave Mac out of that for a second, Linux or Windows, and we will go to my wife's iPhone and print using AirPrint from there, and boom, magically, immediately connects and prints. Yay. <laughs> And so this whole time, I'm like, what has Apple done here that has made it so that magically, every time, no matter what, if I'm stuck and nothing else can find my printer and print, I just air print from an iPhone and it works. And then I hear that the guest we're having on, Michael Sweet, <laughs> might be the guy responsible for this air print thing. So tell me about this air print. Why, is it, why does it work when so many other things struggle here? Well, um, you know, it's it's like Linux. Every printer manufacturer has done their own thing because they think they know the one true way to to make everything work. <laughs> and um, of course, Apple's no different. Apple decided, hey, there's one true way to do printing, and we're going to call that AirPrint. Fortunately, I was there at the time, and I said, okay, so if we're going to do this, we're going to do this with open standards. Because we're not going to tell the printer manufacturers to do something that they've not done before. Um, so I was able to get them to use IPP and and uh, what is called Bonjour by Apple. It's it's multicast DNS and, and DNS service discovery. Um, so you can find it. And then 
well, what are you going to send to the printer? Well, we're not going to be sending PCL or PostScript or any of these other, you know, vendor languages. No, we're going to send PDF files. We're going to send uh, this raster data if it, if it's not a printer that can handle PDF, or we're going to send a JPEG that you took with your camera. Um, and we were able to standardize that early on. Um, we developed test tools. Uh, so the IPP tool that comes with cups is kind of the core of, of what's used for certification for AirPrint printers, combined with a bunch of other stuff that you have to do in order to, to get the, the logo, to use the logo. Um, we basically made it so that if, if you're going to be an AirPrint printer, you had to actually work. Um, whereas before there was no real certification of printers at all. I mean, you, you look at, like you can, you can talk about, okay, I, I can certify that I can take this, uh, this big office copier and put it in, in a secure building and, and, um, and, uh, you're not going to be able to have somebody send it a command that will cause it to overheat and catch on fire or steal the documents that are stored on or anything like that. But there was never any attempt to standardize how an ordinary person sends a print job to a printer and gets something out of it. And that was kind of the goal. It's like, I want dots on paper. It would be my boss's mantra. We need dots on paper. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and so that was the focus. It's like, okay, uh, you know, we started with, with HP and, and Epson and Canon and Lexmark and you know, all the, all the major printer manufacturers and, and, and basically met with every one of them over, over the first year or so. And I prototyped it on an HP printer um, with a little um, embedded Linux, uh, like a Raspberry Pi, but not a Raspberry Pi. Um, you know, and I, I wrote effectively what became the the IPP EVE printer program that comes with cups to talk to an HP LIP driver to print out something on the printer just to demonstrate we can do this from an iPad to an HP printer over a wireless network. And hey, look, it just works. Everything just works. Yeah, and and that was really the focus. It had to just work, and everything else might fail. You wouldn't be able to print from from Windows, but you could print from your your iPhone, and mm. and that was the focus. We had to make it work, and and I think the certification is a big part of it. But we provide all the tools, and and you know, manufacturers would come to us and say, "Well, how do we know we can we can work with you?" Well, here's cups. We provide all the tools. The IPP tool, the the library, uh, you can use the code in your printer if you want to. You know, this is what we want you to do. And the raster format, you know, while not exactly what was a CUPS raster at the time, uh, was close enough that, you know, they could very easily implement from that. Um, you know, it was, it was designed from the beginning. We had to do it, uh, a limited number of things they had to do, and it had to work every time. And and no, you don't have a lot of choices. We had vendors saying, well, you should use this language from us. You know, we have this new PCL that's going to be great. Or we have this, you know, special, special sauce. And it's so much better than this stuff you've been proposing. I said, nope, the standard <laughs> formats and that's it. And, and it's worked very well. You know, well, the solution is standardization. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's, there's this XKCD uh, cartoon, you know, the, yeah. yes. the problem is there's, there's 13 standards next year. The problem is there's 14 standards, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we true. didn't want that kind of a problem. So <laughs> yeah. with AirPrint, 
you know, we started with what we had and then packaged it up. Um, we did the work to make sure that all the tools were in place and, and we executed and it, it became a, a model at Apple for all of the other things that have come on since and with AirPlay and HomeKit and all those sorts of things. But, you know, really the focus is uh, if you want something to work, you need to provide the tools so that the companies that are providing the printers, the whatever, you know, that, that you're talking to can test what they're doing. And when they're developing it, see what problems they've got so that when it actually gets into a customer's hands, it's got a, you know, a very good chance of actually working. Yeah. The way I interpreted this is kind of like the reason why Linux printing is so good is because we had an undercover operative inside of Apple making Apple. Print. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And one question. Well, certainly. One question to you, Mike. Who actually convinced the manufacturers to, to follow the standard? Was it you? Was it Apple? Or was it the PWG, well, the printer working? So, so I think, I think what it, it kind of comes down to, like I've been working uh, behind the scenes uh, for many years uh, in the printer working group and before that in the IETF to try to convince printer manufacturers that we need to standardize because all these new devices keep coming out and you want to support printing on them, but you have to write new software for every one or a new version of Windows or whatever. So why don't we come up with a common standard? You can implement that and then all of these OSs just implement this common driver. And then if you want to add your own stuff on top of that, that's great. But like at least the core, you can print something and, and you, you get a bigger market for your products. And it didn't really resonate until the iPhone. And all of a sudden, mm. um, you know, I didn't have to do too much convincing. My boss didn't have to do too much convincing. When we went to HP and we said, look, we want to add printing to iOS. And they saw, oh, you have how many billions of devices? And that will be that many more <laughs> sure. potential customers for our products? Okay. Uh, you know, so yeah. it really came down to that. And then the fact that we used Open Standard allowed Linux to jump on the bandwagon with you know, what we called IPP everywhere in the printer working group, um, same stuff, just different name. Uh, uh, Mopria is another organization uh, the printer manufacturers got going um, that basically is packaged up what we have for IPP everywhere and, and their own thing. And then Microsoft has their IPP class driver, which is based loosely on the Mopria, but they also have, have some of the other stuff from the PWG to make all their cloud stuff work together. So, it's it's kind of snowballed. We got we got things going, and then all of a sudden, oh yeah, all these printers have this in them already. Let's just support that. Yeah. You know, well, they, what's interesting is if you go buy a printer, consumer printer today, I swear most of them have works with AirPrint bigger than their own company logo on the box. Yeah. Like yeah. it's yeah. the deal for people because they know, like, hey, this thing just prints. You know, it just yeah. works. Uh, every time. So, yes, yeah. and as Linux it's, supports Airpoint, we sprint also under Linux. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and speaking of that, there's actually often a question in the community about what printer brand works best with Linux. If you were in the market, Michael Sweet or Till, for a new printer, what brand would you be looking at? <laughs> yes. For a long time, I told HP, but now because of, of recent news about HP that they do a, a lot of nasty stuff on the hardware level, like, for example, that they are 
they, they are locking in the user. They send uh, firmware updates and suddenly uh, third-party inks do not work anymore. Or even when the yeah. third-party ink is installed, the printer gets completely bricked. And, and also... Uh, Yes, and also that they try to sell you uh, subscriptions for ink. That the printer is t is calling home, telling when the ink is low, and then you get automatically sent new cartridges from H from HP and so, and <laughs> and all this makes the users frustrated. On the hardware ah. level, independent of the operating system, it's not my fault. It's not Mike's fault. We cannot <laughs> <Yeah>. do, <that. laughs> no. do anything on that. And so I saw this. I uh, I retweeted it on on Mastodon and so on. Yes, I read that. I read. Your yes, video. yes, yeah. and <laughs> and and then there were discussions. Uh, someone, uh, some some friend of mine in the community who worked at uh, Canonical in former times, mm -hmm. he told, "I want to buy a printer till what uh, what uh, should I buy?" And then there was a thread. Then there was some discussion other users were answering and saying my brother is perfect it works perfectly and i made also the experience from bug reports and and from nice. and from what user my colleagues at canonical were buying and using that and they uh, bought brother printers and they were all very content with them and so i switched mm -hmm. over to recommend brother oh, and so nice. in in i in the, I that think in so the September news post, I wrote that I'm, uh, I wrote about this, this nasty stuff of HP and that from now on, I'm, I'm recommending brother. I don't have a brother printer by myself. It's all based on, on user feedback. Gotcha. I, I know, well, I don't know, Mike, do you have several printers of different brands? Well, I, I do, and um, it's it's an interesting question. And the first thing for me is like it has to be an AirPrint printer, unless I'm developing. I've got a whole bunch of label printers here that are not AirPrint or IPP everywhere, or anything standard. And I'm having the fun either reverse engineering or or uh, reading documentation and and writing the drivers for them for AirPrint, um, which is the the new label printing driver slash printer application for Linux. Yes, it's in the but, um, store. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, generally I look at, is it AirPrint, you know, for a general home office printer? And can you get the supplies and then, you know, figure out, you know, for what kind of printer you're going to use. If you're printing photos, you probably want inkjet. If you're printing office documents, you probably want laser unless you're just printing the odd, uh, page and not not a whole lot um, and if you're printing shipping labels you want a label printer you don't want to bother with a, a laser printer for that because it's it's just kind of awful uh, oh. not that the <laughs> whole shipping experience <laughs> isn't awful anyway but uh, <laughs> um, but um, they're you know HP I've always looked at as a good brand uh, obviously they've been having some issues with with chipping and and and, and some of the bricking things. So I think that's more uh, an oops and not a, an intentional, oh, we're going to, we're going to take care of these people kind of a, a reaction. I think it, you know, it just comes down to, oops, we didn't test that and put out a fix or, you know, take care of things, but 
you know, negative news lasts and, and positive news, you know, gets one cycle and that's it. Um, if that brother, I've yeah. been very impressed with, uh, Lexmark as well. And they, especially in the enterprise, like if you're looking for, you know, that it's, it's, uh, you know, it's generally a good fit and they have good, whether you're, you're, uh, uh, trying to use, uh, their toner cartridges or, or some third party, they seem to be pretty flexible with that stuff. Um, but again, you know, the whole chip thing, I have to have, you know, genuine chips. Uh, and I, I don't, I really don't understand that they made it, um, to have a printer that costs less than the supplies for the printer. Um, but that's, that's kind of the world that we are in. So a loss you know, leader, they yeah, sell exactly. the printer with a loss because <laughs> they want to make the, the people buy toner or ink. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's funny if they just made the cost of the ink not so absurd, people would be more willing to just buy them. And like, I have I know people who just stopped printing altogether because it was more of a hassle than it was worth for them. And they didn't do it that much, maybe like once a couple months or so, you know, like that kind of thing that you're basically just yeah. making them want to get away from it rather than actually purchase the, the like the genuine yeah. ink cartridge thing. There are so many... Um, like there's even like YouTubers who were talking about how the ink cartridge system is just like this massive, like conspiracy theory, basically. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, it's, it's an interesting topic. And also like the, 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 the subscription thing you were talking about earlier, Till, I'm curious, what do you, what do you both think that the future holds for printing as the, like the industry itself? Like Michael, let's start with you. Well, um, <laughs> I made a prediction about, the time AirPrint came out that in in 10 years time so it's been a little more than that half of the printing manufacturers that we knew would be gone and that's been about accurate um we've seen a lot of a lot of consolidation in the industry uh you're seeing a lot more i don't want to call them off brands because that might be discriminatory but let's say non-traditional brands uh, from china and other other uh, uh countries uh that competition a polite way to say it uh, among manufacturers uh, for f- very similar products um, in order to 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 sell as many of, of a gizmo as they can and um, but you know the the industry is shrinking and people are printing a whole lot less I mean I have had a career made out of printing and I have a lot more printers than I probably need but then I'm still running printing software um but you can't you can't justify you know unless you really need to print stuff why have a printer and i think that's kind of the future is you know we have this this printing system and it's still going to be necessary to be able to produce uh documents that can be archived like pdfs or something like that but uh i think the whole i need to print this out is is a much less common scenario you know the paperless office is is still coming, um, and I was also struck. I, I helped my wife uh, choose a new office printer uh, for her business, and um, you know when we had our previous business, um, we did a lot of printing and particularly a lot of mailing. And so we had this HP office multifunction device, and it had a special feeder for envelopes, and it had you know four trays and and. And, uh, you know, all sorts of add-ons to it. 
and you can't get those things anymore. Yeah. And, and the selection, if you want to go for medium format to do a tabloid or a three printing, uh, on laser, you have very few choices. Whereas even four years ago before the pandemic, you had twice the number of choices. Wow. So, um, I see the printing market shrinking. Uh, there will always be a core, you know, market for it and, and core need for printing. Um, because people do need to actually have hard copy from time to time. But I, I don't see, you know, I, the manufacturers are doing, doing what they can with the supplies because they need it to survive. Do you and, think that they would be ever realizing that the reason people stop printing is because they make it difficult? Um, <laughs> actually, I don't think that's the reason. I mean, that's certainly, it's a contributing factor, but, the reason people stop printing is because we've got iPhones and we've got iPads and, and things like that. Sure. You don't need to have a piece of paper to read a book. You've got your electronic device. You've got a little screen that you've got with you and you see people walking down the road and, and their faces are buried in their devices. Right into traffic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and like when I first worked at Apple, like the iPhone came out uh, five months after I started working at Apple. And it went from, you know, you're walking around and everybody's saying, hey, and, you know, talking to each other in the hallways to everybody's looking at the device. Yeah. It was like overnight. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, that, I don't want to, I don't want to add to whole, your uh, fuel, yeah. but I do that every day. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I do too, like everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, so I, I think printing too print is because you don't need to. We're, we're talking about consumers which was a massive market for printers i mean they would give printers away like we were talking about earlier it used to yeah. be this massive market at walmart used to have sections of walls of different printers now like it's hard to even go find their printer section because it's this little you know you've got three or four options in there uh, but commercial printing so you think about your doritos bags your your boxes your grocery items all of this bright colorful products and things those are still printed by HP and other companies as well on these massive industrial printers. So that printing, I don't think, has slowed down at all. It's really consumer, right, that we're kind of talking well, about. Where you'll, you'll find, even in those markets, there's been a lot of consolidation. And, and the kinds of printing that's done has changed. You know, it used to be you would be talking spot color, and, and now it's much more inkjet um, and <laughs> and you know, you go do full color and it costs the same as, as doing black and white. Um, so there have been changes in there just in the capability. So like, you know, before, you know, that Doritos bag was, was really like the, the pinnacle of packaging, you know, with all the colors and you get like a box of cereal and, and it might have two colors on it, um, you know, to be the specific character colors that would go on it and now full color. So there's a there's been changes in that, um, but it's it's you know you need to have packaging, but certain things aren't packaged like that anymore. You look like uh, you go to uh, any of the discount stores, Walmart, whatever, and you used to have a box that held your product, and now it's a blister pack. And so instead of having a big box that's all printed on. You have a card that's printed on that's embedded in the packaging. So there's been a reduction yeah. in printing overall, even if that's still like, like I said, there's still going to be a need for printing, 
It's just who's going to be doing the printing? Like our first Linux printing summit, they, um, one of the people there had said, oh, everybody's going to have a 3D printer on their desk. Mm-hmm. And we all kind of laughed. That's not really going to be a thing. I mean, I have a 3D printer behind me here, but that, I'm not a typical user, I don't think. Um, but there's going to be the day when you have people, they don't have printers in their home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mike, you don't need them. Yeah. yeah, we actually had this uh, similar conversation probably about a week ago or something. We needed to print something, and then I and Ryan was like, "Go print it." I'm like, I I don't have a printer. And then <laughs> go to FedEx. I was like, what? And then that, who doesn't have blew a printer? His mind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, at least have one. Like, I can imagine. Hey, I don't print <laughs> on it very often, but I don't know. I could imagine not having one around in your. Home, I actually you know? haven't. I haven't had a printer in a, a couple of years because one one of my moves it broke and I didn't bother to replace it. And that's yeah. that's really the reason why it happened. But also, like, uh, it made me think about maybe like using a communal, you know, like a not WeWork, but like a An you Uber know, kind of co-working, like yeah. a co-working space just to get printing you know, yeah, you on go. occasion. Oh, on yeah. the corner in the drugstore that you don't have only uh, photo printers there, yeah. but also yeah. office printers. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of that. You know, like all the office supply places now provide yeah. print services. They do. And you take, and here's my document. Okay, you how many copies do you need? Okay, here you go. Or you need one copy? Okay, here it is. Or you yeah. go to a hotel and they have a printer for you there. So I mean, that's yeah, that's I mean that the service for like a office company would is a really good idea there i usually go to my brother's uh work and just have it printed there oh you just use his ink yeah Yeah. okay so you know let's get back a little bit to open printing because this is obviously very important for those who still need to print we have one of our patrons talking about government organizations they still heavily rely on printing and all of those type of things for their documents which we mentioned and that can be Many years before they ever change to anything past something being dead that they'll ever consider if switching ever. away. <laughs> yeah. um, so printing is still important as of right now. For audience members who are interested in getting involved in helping with open printing, what kind of contributions would you ask for and who should they get in touch with? Yes, one thing is the contributions are naturally coding and uh, also and also things like documentation. and. Michael Sweet by himself, he does very great in documentation. So Mike's parts, and he also CI CI testing is also needed. He does great documentation. He does great CI testing. So cups and puppet, they are perfect in that. But we would like to get get uh, uh, the other projects of open printing clo- uh, at least close to that level too. So we need people, and printing is something rather non not not very sexy, not very attractive as a subject to work on. A uh, piece of contribution where you could start with is fixing bugs, investigating bugs. Then you go to GitHub. Uh, the open printing in GitHub, so github.com slash open printing. And then you can see our our issue reports of the different projects. And you could help fixing these bugs. This is one kind of contribution. Another thing is 
coding. We are right. I'm writing everyone's the, every month the open printing news and also writing about what we need. And so you can also see what we are doing at the open, uh, 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 what we are planning to do, what we are doing on, on the Google Summer of Code, what we succeeded where, uh, uh, there with what we have failed and so on. And then you can see what coding contributions we, we need and also the new project ideas for the next year and you can contact us you can uh, you can uh, find you can find me on mastodon in and uh, hashtag open printing you can email me till at linux.com very easy and oh, i've never heard of that domain doc Linux? Linux.com. <laughs> okay, got it, got it. The Linux Foundation has, has overtaken it. Uh, there was a site named Linux.com. It got overtaken mm -hmm. by the Linux Foundation already in the early 2000s. And then they have used this domain to give lifelong, uh, lifelong, uh, email addresses to, email. To, uh, to their people and to import, yeah. to, to, oh. Practically everyone wanted one. I want one. Why don't I have one? <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, we have an insider now, Till. Yeah, yeah. Till. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. And um, I think they should allow that for a donation. Like you donate to the foundation. Yes. I think when you get a, a, yeah. an individual member, then you get such an address. Gotcha. gotcha. And, I'm a, mm. and I'm a fellow of the Linux Foundation. I'm what? Mm. what one of the eight fellows of the Linux Foundation, and so with this, I got also the, such an. Edit. I don't. Yeah. I, I mean, you should probably consider giving Michael one because he is a platinum level two in Rocket League. So <laughs> I'm a champion. Thank you. Oh, I'm champion three in Rocket. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that should qualify him on its own there, but we'll talk afterwards. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there are, there are eight fellows. Linux Torvalds is also one, and Greg Croa Hartmann, and so on. I think there are five are kernel space and three are user space. Aww. <laughs> hmm, nice. So I'm curious. Uh, I want to go back to something that we talked about earlier, and, and it kind of correlates to a lot of people having like this, this misconception, we could call it. So, uh, Michael... A lot of people think that Cups was made by Apple, and because you worked at Apple with Cups, and a lot of people kind of confuse that. Uh, could you confirm here what what predates what? So Cups predates Apple, um, or my involvement with Apple, anyway. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, so uh, I had a, a software company I started in in 1993, um, originally to do. 3d modeling software you know uh, you know make a like a blender or something like that to to uh to make 3d models because i was doing all sort of sorts of flight simulation stuff and mm -hmm. from that i needed software to print the models that you were mm -hmm. creating so you could visualize it and so i wrote a few things and then a friend told me you should sell that and so i did and then i stopped selling the 3d stuff because the print stuff did a whole lot better um and then about three years into that, I figured out if I wanted to expand to this new upstart operating system, Linux, um, plus a few others that I was looking at the commercial Linuxes, is like I needed to write something to replace LPR because uh, <laughs> LPR just didn't cut it. <laughs> and uh, 
<laughs> and so that was the beginning of cups. And, uh, uh, it was 96 when I started working on cups, 97, I think was the first beta 98 when they did first did the first actual release. And, um, it was 99 Apple. Okay. Uh, and then Apple showed up around 2001 talking to us to say, Hey, we've got this new Mac OS 10. Um, but we don't have really a working printing system for it. And we really like what you've done with cups and would you sell it to us? Mm-hmm. And, uh, at that point we had just gotten a bunch of other contracts from various government agencies and companies and everything. I said, no, we, we're not, we don't want to sell. We're happy to license, but we don't want to sell. And so they, they went off and did their own thing and then came back a year later and said, okay, what can we do? We want to use cups. <laughs> And nice. so 2002, they started using cups and, and then who the person that ended up becoming my boss every six months or so would say, you ready to come to Apple? You ready to come to Apple? You ready to come to Apple? <laughs> uh, and, and finally, uh, in 2006, I said, okay, let's talk. Cause about that point, um, Silicon graphics was, was, uh, kind of disintegrating HP was getting out of the Unix workstation market. Uh, DEC uh, was was also in the process of of being subsumed, and 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 Sun. I don't know if they had been bought by Oracle at that point or were about to be bought by Oracle, but you know we kind of saw the writing on the wall, and and we were selling a whole lot of software for uh, Mac users because at the time the mac driver situation wasn't so good and i was you know packaging up uh, lots of open source drivers for for mac users with with cups and and um so we said okay um let's talk and and so um come to uh february of 2007 i became an apple employee and and i i posted in a little innocuous uh uh, commit message, you know, with the copyright changes to the cup source code and then the internet exploded and, and the rest is history. But, um, <laughs> had a, a good laugh about the hostile takeover of cups and a few other <laughs> choice, uh, quotes there. But, uh, uh, I'm happy to say that, you know, Apple was always, you know, a hundred percent behind keeping it open source and, and, and developing with the community and so forth. And, yeah, unfortunately, since I left, um, they don't have someone there who is as um, uh, dedicated to to keeping uh, development of cups going forward. So, yeah, I've I've kind of picked up the ball again, and and with Till and and uh, a bunch of the other people in open printing, we've been we've been uh, trading duties as release managers and development, uh, you know, heads and stuff. But um, you know, that cups came before Apple. And interesting. That is so interesting. Yeah. yeah. And, and this is one of the few areas we've talked about when people will mention, you know, Apple doesn't do very much in the open source world. It is an example of where Apple d- did for a while through hiring you contribute to cups, right. That we utilize across the board. So, uh, as an open source project is one example well, we've used. Yeah. I, I think, I think for, for me, like at Apple, uh, I became a victim of my own success. You know, Airprint was so successful. Oh, printing's fixed. What else do we need to do? <laughs> uh, really, and and that's that's yeah. kind of what happened. And and 
to a similar extent, like you look at WebKit as another open source project that Apple kind of took on for a while. And then it got good enough. Okay, we've got Safari. We've, we've got our, our thing for the web. Okay, we're kind of going to sit back. And then Google wanted to use it, and Apple wasn't making changes fast enough. And so now we have Chrome. Yeah, I mean, no, it's it's very interesting history here. Absolutely, yes. And yeah. one and, thing and is, uh, when people are asked, uh, some people asking, Apple ma- is Apple making cups? There were other people asking whether I uh, thinking that I am the author of cups because I do all the community work with open printing all the time. So I'm not only an engineering manager who is mentoring students and integrating stuff. I'm also the community manager of open printing. And I'm on conferences giving talks about that, workshops and so on. And and so I'm the face of open printing. The people all see me and not Mike because Mike is not going on all the conferences. And so some people think I, I were thinking that I'm the author of Cups, and so I had to tell them that Mike is the author. (laughs) (laughs) I I really, the the first time I saw who was the creator of Cups, I just, your name is just kind of, it felt like it wasn't a real name. Because Michael Sweet is such a cool name, yeah. But I, yeah. I was like, okay, that's 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 a pseudonym. But you know, like that's getting true. to meet you is also fantastic. So thank you for coming on the show. Yeah. Uh, but we we have something super special for both. Most of important you. part of the show. It's really. it, uh, Till's art. Till you already know what it is. But Michael, you might not <laughs> yes, be. Familiar. Mike, this did is you the, read la- the preparation materials which you got <laughs> today? <laughs> All right, we so you we made have, it through. The main questions, and that's interesting, but now the lightning round. This is where we find out if you really know your stuff and how this has really determined your likability factor, too, depending on some of your answers with our audience here. So no pressure. Uh, no what we're going to do since there's two of you is when I read the question, I'll read a question. I'll start first. Then Michael will read a question and Jill. And your your goal is to answer as fast as possible. Since there's two of you, Michael, you answer first then till you answer. And then we go on to the next question. So the goal is to go as fast as we can. First <laughs> thing that comes to your mind. All right. <clears throat> Are you ready? <laughs> yes. All right. All right, Michael, uh, you first. And then till right after pick the best inkjet laser or dot matrix laser. Laser. Would you rather get caught wearing Crocs or using a Windows machine? Windows machine. <laughs> Windows machine too. Favorite candy bar? Oh, Henry. Interesting. None. None. All right. Best IDE for writing code? BB Edit. Hmm. I don't really know. I want. I am using Emacs, and I want. I want to change. Aww. Oh, okay. That's okay. the first time I've ever heard someone do That's that. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good one. Uh, next one is favorite band to jam out to. James Taylor. Hmm. No answer. No. No. Okay. No band. You listen to no music till. Hmm. It, 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 I'm, I like when there's music in the background, but I'm not was not never really interested in in. Okay, so, so you like like ambient music and so on. I, I did. Gotcha. Okay. I don't buy uh, music and so on. 
Got it. And speaking of jamming, would you rather deal with a paper jam or a traffic jam? <laughs> paper jam. At least I can do something about that. Paper jam. <laughs> Perfect. Same you all have me. passed the lightning round. Great job. That was it. Uh, we want to thank you both seriously for the amazing work. Like the history here, what you all have done. I lived it in, in portions of this, but had no idea what was going on behind the scenes as I was taking a bat to my printer and then eventually getting to the point where I didn't have to take a bat to my printer. I didn't know all of the stuff that was happening behind the scenes in the, in the history here is just absolutely fascinating. And the great people over at open printing, the whole community, all the work you're all doing. Thank you so much for what you're doing for the open source community. We really appreciate it. And thanks for coming on the show. You're welcome. Sure. So a big thank you to each and every one of you for supporting us, watching us, listening. However you do it, we love your faces. Come join the community. Come join the discussion on our Discord. Head to tuxdigital.com slash Discord. And if you want to watch this show live, you can become a patron of Destination Linux. And you can become a patron by going to tuxdigital.com slash membership. And watching the show live is just one of the awesome perks that you get when you become a patron. You also get access to the unedited versions of the show. And for those who do watch us live, they can join us in the patron-only post show that happens every week after the show. So go to tuxdigital.com slash membership to sign up. Plus, we also have some relatively new benefits that we just recently added a couple weeks ago. And that is you can now, in addition to getting the unedited version of the show, you can also get an ad-free version because the unedited version will be ad-free as well. So you can get all of this by just becoming a patron at tuxdigital.com slash membership. And if you'd like to support the show and the network, you can do that by going to the store at tuxdigital.com slash store and pick up some awesome, cool perks like we have uh, T-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, coasters, hats, and so much more at tuxdigital.com slash store. And make sure to check out all the amazing shows here on Tux Digital. That's right. We have an entire network of shows to fill your entire week with geeky goodness. Check out the Pseudo Show, which covers topics ranging from open source and business to deep dives into complex technologies. And everyone head to TuxDigital.com and subscribe to all our great shows. And don't forget to leave a rating on your favorite app so others can discover the awesome power of open source and keep those penguins marching in the full Monty of Linux and open source awesome sauce. Everybody have a great week. And remember that the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Thanks, everyone. Yay, we'll see you next you. week. <laughs>